Thanks for clocking in to Becoming a Better Nurse podcast. I'm Rebecca. And Aaron. Together, we like to offer ideas, conversations, and solutions to help educate, elevate, and empower nurses. And now we are going to talk about the cons. And these are some very serious cons because I don't think, not every job, there is no job that's perfect, right? Every job has its pros. Every job has its cons. Sometimes you have to balance it out. You know, you know, is there more pros or is there more cons? Maybe that's the type of logic you need to take. What are you willing to deal with? What are you not willing to deal with? Yeah, because that's the reality. Every job is going to be good or bad. So you mentioned a lot of good, a lot of, you know, flexibility, pay, um, collaboration, oh, you make a difference, emotional support. Uh, those are all really good things really good uh virtues really good aspects of nursing that you know in the long term does help um now we're gonna dive into cons and just be very mindful if you're not a nurse um how serious these things can be and if you are a nurse nurse you know definitely realize that these things are real and don't be immune or blind to it and when you recognize it you know it's time to either do something about it or pivot and maybe um uh, you f- figure out that maybe it, you need to go to a different department because, again, some of these cons are department-specific, re- unit-specific, hospital-specific, or just career-specific, but we'll mention them along the way as we go. Okay, so some of the cons we wanted to focus on um, or that came up were some of the obvious ones because there is the nice pro of having the three shifts a week. Um, you're still working 36 hours, maybe 48 hours a week. So that means you're sh- you're putting in all that work in a, sh- in a long shift. So there are long shifts that can be physically demanding. You're on your feet a lot. Um, you might not able to sit down except for lunch. If you're in a facility that doesn't even guarantee a lunch, sometimes I've heard they don't. Um, it can be very grueling very physically grueling and so you have to have the stamina to support yourself that way and you have to um, have be relatively physically able to maintain um, the job requirements there's been shifts i've had where i was constantly working 12-hour shifts in the icu uh really sick patients and you know this is in florida so they work you like a dog (laughs) down there um (laughs) So, you know, you have a sick patient with a uh, subarachnoid and you have another sick patient with another bleed. Who knows what's going on? Or they're drunk and they're going through Siwa. Oh, yeah. Or they're neurologically impaired, the frontal lobes, and so they're going buck wild crazy. So they may be easy medically to treat, but psychologically, you know, they start screaming, they start flailing, they start calling you names. It's draining. And so, anyways, just imagine dealing with that for 12 hours. The, the person next to you is... Um, the patient next to you, the, the other patient you have to take care of, is drowning. Um, and, you know, you're trying to sh- help them out while the other person's screaming. And then one of them cro- uh, croaks and dies. And, you you know, you have to bag them. You take them to the morgue. And then they don't care. They'll, they'll send you another patient within the hour. <laughs> Can you? That's like a really bad night. But there are nights like that. And imagine doing that for 12 hours. That is... Not only does it drain you physically, like Rebecca said, it's super physically draining. You're walking, you're going back and forth, you're turning these patients, uh, especially if they're overweight, they're super, super detrimental. But then imagine the psychological abuse you take from some of these patients who are mentally impaired. And they might not be doing it consciously, they're just doing it because they're impaired. And, you know, you can only handle so much. Uh, uh, verbal damage 
and then it starts affecting you. So you're psychologically you're impaired too, um, emotionally you're impaired too as well because you're trying to help these people out. And it's like it's this repetitive, repetitive circle. Like, and you're like you try to help these people out, but it, it it's it's hard because you're not seeing any improvement, and you keep on getting berated. And here I am just venting. I'm kind of giving you my traumatic experience from a, from some of the worst shifts I had. So I wanted to just focus on the physically demanding part of the job. And Aaron segued into the emotionally demanding part of the job because it is a lot of emotional ups and downs for sure. You're going to have patients and family members angry at you. You're going to have doctors angry at you. You're going to have your staff maybe angry at you. Maybe you're so busy with your shift you can't help anyone else and everyone's drowning. So they're all emotionally stressed and they're all lashing out um, because we're all human at the same time. So it is very emotionally um, draining at times. Times. As much as you love to help people and you're helping them and, and you're and then it's just um, draining you at the same time. So um, there is no way around that other than the fact that you have to get through it and vent, go to the bathroom and cry if you want to. But it is can be emotionally draining, um, even with um, how sick patients can get in the repetitive um day in and day out, um, never getting better kind of emotional drain on you. Your ethics, your morals, um, everything else can just be affected by that. Your spirituality can be affected by it. So it you have to make sure you have yourself to keep yourself in check for that. So that is a warning, I would say, as a con for nursing. Um, because of the um, longer shifts and the physically emotionally draining, um, you can also... Um, feel underappreciated because of that so um I would be have to be a patient advocate well you have to be a a self-advocate too so make sure that you are self-aware of the um issues that you're facing so that um you lessen the rapid burnout rate or not so um just make sure you take care of yourself as well as um your patients yeah, you know the the emotional and psychological is super important, and you know I, I gave you some examples of some neuro patients that are super draining, but there's also and and this is a type of patient that everybody experiences in the hospital, taking care of a patient who you know has no quality of life, and the family continues to want to prolong uh, life on a patient who you know has no quality of life. And again, at the end of the day, it's the family's decision because they're the ones taking care of the patient, so they can decide whatever they want. But we all know deep down in our, in our hearts that, um, you know, what is life if, if there is no quality There is no quality to it? Sometimes we feel that these patients are already dead, uh, but nobody's told them yet. It's kind of one of those things where it's, where, you know, they, they look like they're suffering more than they are actually living or surviving. It's super sad, super um, particular situation, but I think most people in the healthcare field probably agree with what we're saying is that some of these uh, patients are, um, and life is super important. Life is super um, precious and, you know, it's a gift. But at the same time, some of these individuals, you can just tell, are not going to have a, qual- a good quality of life and are sometimes even suffering and sometimes we make them suffer even more because I don't know if it's our lack of knowledge maybe our guilt that we don't want to let go of somebody but that drains you after many years in nursing it just mm-hmm. makes you question humanity and and the lengths we can go the cruelty we can go yeah the and so when you find yourself thinking about this kind of situation they are actually suggesting that you not take care of those patients that are 
tugging on your moral strings or your ethic strings a little bit. So um, take heart in knowing that if you are feeling that way about a patient, if you ask for an assignment change, I know it doesn't take away the thought process already going on in your head, but at least you don't have to be seeing it all the time. So they are actually suggesting that you not take care of patients that you might feel um, you have a, a moral um, um, or ethical um strain so you can get a break from that so because of that in because of that um process with the constantly um draining patient that's that comes to my um i wanted to bring up the next point of a con and it kind of goes along with it is that you're around sick people all the time people don't go to the hospital to because they're well they go there because they're not well and they need help and they need they get sicker and some people get better so depending on the area of expertise you work in you might not get um, positive results like if it's a oncology floor or if you're in the ICU or if you're in um, pediatric oncology or something like that but at the same time you can see certain happy endings like cath lab they usually have huge success rates there or if you're in the operating room you get people who get replacement hips all the time they're actually super happy to be in the hospital because they're getting fixed so um you can mediate the the you know a type of patient that you're going to take care of but in actuality and everyone knows you don't go to the hospital or you don't go to the doctors unless you're sick so it can drain on you all the time to have that always sick patient so if you start feeling that that's a strain look for a different area as well thanks for listening if you like what you hear please hit the like button and subscribe stat follow us on instagram you can find us on becoming a better nurse until next time